Welcome to Reimagine Teaching, um, a podcast for teachers by teachers and about all things teaching and educated education related. I can never do the intro right. I'm going to have to practice that. <laughs> You'll get it. You'll get it eventually. Um, today, I am not your host. I'm so excited to have my wonderful, beautiful younger sister, Brooke, here to host today's podcast. Um, Brooke is in education. Um, she works for a um, private Christian college as, what is your job title? My title is assistant director, but our school is so small, I pretty much do everything, well, yeah, I do a lot. <laughs> you usually everything except teach, but you do teach sometimes. I do teach sometimes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all the things, admin, um, promo, promo. Ad, um, admissions, accreditation stuff, accreditation stuff, class registration, and you're the RA, and I'm the RA, <laughs> um, yeah, and then we also do just some practical, like, think, think of, like, you know, hands-on, Internship. Internship. Yeah. Um, so I do some of those practical trainings as well. Like you have interns? Or you set, you set up the internships? I set up the internships, but we also do weekly trainings on really practical things. And so um, our our focus is mostly on ministry. And so we do things like, okay, how do you run a funeral for a family who's oh, in mourning? yeah. How do you run a I wedding? I thought about that. How do you um, manage volunteers? How do you encourage a family who's child has just tragically passed away and so we do a few of those conversations as well um for the practical training and even some things i mean we work with college students so even some simple things like here's how you write a decent email um um, so so some basic adulting all things your title does not encompass all of it um but you're here today to interview me yes it's not about me it's all about you yay i love when things are about you (laughs) Um, yeah, so excited for the opportunity. Um, I know it's probably really awkward to talk about yourself as the host, um, so I'm totally happy to be here and, and help be the person to introduce you to your audience, um, oh, help thanks. them get to know you a little better. Thanks. Because I like you. I know, that's why I picked you. Yes. <laughs> I was like, who looks up to me the most? My baby <laughs> sister. Done. Let's do it. Awesome. Well, should we start? Yeah. Okay. So first things first. Miss Mrs. Brittany Lang, what is bringing you joy? I think on a, on a small scale, it sounds so silly. I love being home in the summer because on mornings I sleep in, I get to come downstairs and see my husband and the cats cuddling on the couch. Aww. I know. Literally, <laughs> none of them are morning people and they all have crabby faces on. But they all three of them are lined up on the couch every morning, and That's Joe's so got fun. it's so cute. And they do that every morning, but during the school year, I'm you don't see it because you're already gone by then. Already gone. Yeah. And so in the yeah in the summer when I get up and they're all on the couch and I'm like oh and the sun shines through the window I'm like good morning boys and they're all like that Meh. sounds so nice. I know that does sound nice. So on like a on a like you know super exciting I'm sick but because I partied way too hard got to go to New York and see my cousin our cousin um and that was it was so fun it's so fun to have opportunities to connect with new people and yeah well even like he lives in New York and we don't see him or talk to him very often so to have you know and it's like Christmas when there's literally we have what 50 people at our for real (laughs) 
I think I counted once, and I think we hit, like, 68. But that was probably four or five years ago, and we have definitely added a few cousins since then. So Right. Yeah, it gets crazy. So it's hard to have, like, genuine conversation. Like, yeah. how are you actually doing conversations yeah. when there's, like, a billion kids running around? And yeah. So it was so fun to, to go out there and be like... Yeah, how are you? Like, how Let's is life? Let's actually have a conversation that lasts longer than five minutes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I knew that we are really similar, um, but I think it was nice for both of us to be mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, we do have each other's back. Yeah. Like, um, I know you know it's really nice to have family who's, like, on the same page with you, mm-hmm. 100% has your back. Yeah. So it's nice to be like, yeah, that's one of my people. Yeah. So it was really fun. Sweet. And I got to see him perform, and he's amazing, and we had a blast. I'm so jealous. I want to see him. <laughs> Anyways. It's so fun. Um, yeah, that's a plug for Elliot Aguilar. He has yeah. some music on Spotify. He's yeah. on Instagram. He's amazing. What's bringing you joy? Um, lots of things. It's It's been a whirlwind of a few weeks. We actually just got back yesterday. My husband and I went and helped out at our church's youth camp, Um And that was the first time that we've been involved in youth ministry in, like, five years. And I think, honestly, it brought me a lot of joy just seeing my husband in that capacity because he hasn't done it for so long. Because that's how you guys met. Um, Yeah, that's how we met. Um, I definitely, like, it sounds so cheesy, especially for people who, like, aren't in the church. Um, (laughs) But I swear, just, like, doing church stuff together just makes me fall in love with him more every single time. And I thought it especially was fun because there were so many... We have so many people that have joined our staff in the last five years that have never seen me and my husband in that capacity. So they know us as like the really serious nerds. And so to just see us making fools of ourselves with a bunch of teenagers, it was kind of fun just watching their reactions because they had no, they're like, I'm sorry, who are you? And what have you done with the Bermudas? <laughs> so that was really funny. That's awesome. And you were camp mom and dad. Yeah, we were camp mom and dad. And so literally um they were like your job for this weekend is to make sure kids are eating enough are drinking enough are taking their medication on time are wearing sunscreen um we did one of my favorite parts we do room checks at camp and so if your room is clean you get extra points um but we did like videos of real reactions and so we are just roasting their cabins i mean you get 150 teenagers without their parents around and things get rough like one of them had literally brought a whole tree branch like with leaves and everything into their dorm and we're like <laughs> what is this so there was there was oh, some like, weird it's stuff. a charlie brown christmas in here yeah it was so great it was so great i'll have to share some of the pictures with you later um but yeah just you know roasting students giving them a hard time um some of them, you know, they're all going to bed at night. I'm like, okay, good night, sleep well, remember to change your underwear, wash behind your ears, you know, just being the most obnoxious maternal it. figure I can be. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, but, and then some other happy news. We actually, um, which you know this, we hopefully, we really got to watch our time because today my husband and I are closing on our very first house. Yay! Yay! So, um, and as millennials, that's a huge deal. For real. <laughs> we did not think it was going to happen. Um, but yeah, so so this week we actually both have the whole week off just to Good. help with that transition. So we have some time for camp recovery and house preparation and, yeah. and final moving stuff. So, um, Good. Yeah, lots of lots of feelings around that. I know. You get to close this afternoon. Yeah. Anyways. 
Okay, sorry, I forgot I was leading this conversation. Hey, you're host today. I am the host, which means I asked the questions. You do, and I wrote the questions down. <laughs> you for did. You. I so appreciate that. So okay. sorry. Anyways, um, so Brittany, the all-time host, who our audience has gotten to know a little bit, why don't you tell us a little bit more exactly what your role as a teacher is? What is your job? What does your classroom look like? Yeah, so I am a high school ESL teacher, which is English as a second language. Um, So we have, I think this year we'll be up to 120 ESL students at our high school. Um, And there'll be four of us supporting those kids, support like in our department this year. Um, We do English classes, so separate, sadly they don't get the same credit for it. So separate from like freshman through senior English, they have to take... English as a second language In addition us. to their English class? Yeah. Okay. So they have to still read Shakespeare in freshman English while they're learning, like... Dang, Shakespeare is hard for people who do speak English. Yeah. It's a little bogus. They get credit, but not okay. English credit. Okay. Um, so we do... This year we'll have three classes of English as a second language. Um, we run um, guided study hall. We call it resource room. So students, like if you're ESL and in history and there's not an ESL teacher with you, you can say, hey, can I go work on this in the resource room? Mm. Come to us and we'll help you. Um, A lot of the kids like that just for a smaller class space. They get to know us really well, so they feel more comfortable asking questions. And then most of us are bilingual or partially bilingual. So if they need something translated or have questions in Spanish, they can come in and ask and get clarification that way. And then the rest of our day, all four of us um, support their classes. So this year we'll be departmentalized, which means I am only doing math support. Um, I, (laughs) your face. Yes. I hate math. (laughs) Most, believe it or not, most um, language teachers hate math, which is how I got it. So uh, I don't mind math. Although it's going to be interesting because last year I did algebra and geometry and geometry, at the end of the year, I, like, had to come in and ask the teacher to show me really quick uh, how to, do, like, it was just starting to get... You're like, it's been a while. Yep. <laughs> Don't remember this. Yep. And this year I'm doing algebra, geometry, math apps, which is, like, calculating tax and stuff, which for the most part oh, should helpful. be pretty simple, I hope. And then algebra 2, which I don't ever remember. I know I took it. I don't have any idea how to do that. So, it'll be I interesting. I can remember some algebra. Um, algebra 1 is easy. Algebra 2, no. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, I'll have f- four classes of math that I we usually push in. So, I go in and sit in the back of the room with the kids. Okay. Um, listen to the lesson. And then kind of help them with homework. Yeah. Offer notes. Yeah. Um, so, just to help with some, some visualizing for the people who are listening. So, when you talk about pushing into classrooms... How does that compare or differ from, like, a TA, like a teacher's assistant? Yeah. So, um, a TA, because we have TAs. In our building, TAs are typically, like, other high school kids. Okay. Or you might have a para. Um, And typically, they help with um, tasks. So, like, grading. Um, If you had an adult who was a TA, they might do attendance for you. Okay. And kind of paperwork stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, like, can work with the kids, you know, if they, if, you know, they feel like it. For one, I, my own, my job is only to support ESL students. Mm -hmm. I obviously am not going to be like, sorry, you're not on my caseload, (laughs) I won't help you, but 
I mean, you could say that. You'd just be kind of rude. Yeah. So if a kid, you know, if a kid's like, and I do help with general, like, if a kid asks to go to the bathroom yeah. and he asks me because I'm next to him, sure. I'm like, yeah, I know the policy of this classroom, you know, sign out, go, and I'll let the teacher know. Like, there is yeah. some, some portion of, like, we're, we're both teachers in here and I have yeah. some responsibility as well. But my focus is for ESL students. Okay. Um, which is a really hard conversation because some of the teachers really want us us ESL teachers to like lead the lesson yeah and it's like okay great so then are you gonna sit with the kid who doesn't know English yeah and repeat everything in (laughs) Spanish for her um well I don't speak Spanish right that's why this is my job but separate from a TA I do teach my own classes we have to do a lot of case managing stuff so like while kids are sitting and doing I mean while the teacher's doing the lesson I'm helping the kids stay on task but typically like I have my own emails and, yeah. you know, oh, this kid didn't show up to this class. Was he here at all today? Is he just skipping? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of times where I, like, sit down and be like, I'll be right back because <laughs> I know the kid is, like, in the hallway talking to his friends. Sure. And so a lot of, like, herding cats. Um, <laughs> and because there's so many kids, I mean, we have 120 kids yeah. in our program and so, like, I and I have my phone on me all day. So, like, I'm in math, but a kid showed up to my room to talk, and it's an emergency. Mm. I'll be like, hey, are you okay with this lesson? You know, I've got to go talk to a yeah. kid or talk to an admin. We don't have extra prep. Like, I have mm. one period a day. So, if I have to have, like, make stuff happen, sometimes it happens during a class because yeah, that's sense. when I have time. Makes sense. So, so... I'm just saying this because I know it. I'm not going to ask. <laughs> but you have a shared room with the other ELL teachers. Yeah. That you guys all kind of use as home base. But then you do travel to some of the other rooms as yeah. well. Yeah. So we, we're hoping it's a little bit different this year. But, um, yeah, we have two ESL classes for the three of us. Okay. Um, and we have kids in there all day. Yeah. And then when we go to support their classes, we go to their class. So I'll go to their math class or their English class or whatever. Yeah. Um, if there's, like, a test or quiz, then, like, when I was doing math, I'm like, okay, there's a test today, I would show up and then just send all the kids to my room. Yeah. So they can take their test in a smaller environment. Uh, yeah, yeah. Typically, they get notes from me that the rest of the kids don't, because that's yeah. one of the accommodations they yeah. get. Um, Which, that is a whole other level to your job, is you also have a l- totally different progress reports. Right. For your students. <laughs> right. Yeah, we have to create language plans, and it's very interesting because it's, like, we we measure their English language ability, but then on my day-to-day job, I need to make sure you're passing math. Yes. <laughs> so it's a very weird, like, juxtaposition yeah. of, like, they didn't do well on the standardized test, so their, their English didn't get better, but they passed their math class, which was mm. technically not a measure of my job, but is a priority, so it's a very strange, like, the the description of the role doesn't match the practice mm. um so there's definitely like short-term goals and long-term goals and you have to figure out how to manage both yeah and the long-term like the long-term goal is we want our kids to graduate high school yeah but there's no short-term goals to match that mm. that are like written in our job description mm. sure <laughs> so it's sure. one of those things where i'm like well you're telling me that they do need to graduate but that i shouldn't focus on math completion but that doesn't match. So, anyways, I do know. I do know that this is not the main conversation that you want to have today. I know. Well, <laughs> so, I was gonna say you said the one of the questions was, "What does my classroom look like?" Yes, my classroom. My the church we go to, they talk about um, practicing communion. And it, communion is chaos. 
And I feel like that's what my classroom is. Mm-hmm. Classroom is chaos. <laughs> um, we, last year, uh, my students helped me write a fundraising um, description. Oh, I remember this. And so we got friends on Facebook um, to donate. And we got a couple, a couch and a couple comfy chairs. Yeah, that um, was really cool to see. That you, like, cat, you know, you, like, okay, so Brittany sat down with her students, and she's like, okay, so what kind of classroom would you want to have? What do you want it to feel like? What do you want to be able to do in it? And from that, you guys put together, like, a wish list of things. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, special chairs and some couches and some snacks, and I thought that was really cool, really fun. Yeah. To just bring a further sense of community. Yeah. And then the kids were like, I'm like, and then you have to tell people why you want this stuff. Mm, yeah. And they're like, because it'd be dope. <laughs> and I was like, nobody's going to donate money. Like, teaching them how to do... <laughs> Not everybody values dopeness. Right. <laughs> maybe, maybe find a different word for that. Yeah. And so, like, you know, if we get this stuff, I was like, you know, what do adults value? And mm-hmm. how do we make adults value this? Yes. And they're like, well, they think we should, you know, do well in school. Great. How is a couch going to help you do well in school? And they're yes. like, well, if we feel comfortable, we're more likely to be here and ask for help. And I was like, great. Perfect. And that's what we put. So it's very cute. Like, they're like, we're lying. And I'm like, you're not lying. You're just, like, proposing something. And yes. you have to understand <laughs> your audience. Yeah. So it was very fun. But, yeah, so our classroom... Because it's the most comfortable and we have snacks, um, we always have children with us. Yeah. So it is a little bit crazy. Um, we always have kids in our room and, like, we got in a little bit of trouble this year because there'd be kids who, like, are supposed to be in other classes and they're like, I'm not going. And I'm like... You literally have to. Right. <laughs> like, but what if, if I kick them out, they're going to go hang out wander in the bathroom the or wander? So I'm like, fine, sit down, be quiet. So we'd have yes. kids, and they're like, where are these kids supposed to be? And I'm like, English, English, science. And like, are they working in here? I'm like, they told me they went and checked in with their teacher, but yes. I don't know. Like, That's, like, my biggest fear. Sometimes sometimes I, I sub yeah. for high school sometimes, and that's my biggest fear is when students tell you, they're like, oh, yeah, I checked in. And you're like, I literally have to take you at your word. So yeah. my go-to question is always, like, Okay, so your other teacher is isn't going to be mad at me later when they right. find out because like I like do not get me in trouble. Do you? Understand? Oh yeah, I tell the kids that all the time. I don't care what you do, but don't get me in trouble. <laughs> so yeah, but it's so fun. It's fun to have because of the unique situation of our job. We get yeah. to build relationships with students um, in a really unique way, and um, yeah, I just really love. I love my job. I love yeah. getting to support kids. Yeah, that way instead of having, you know eight different classes every day I get to see some of the same kids over and over again and you know and then a little better yeah I'd be like okay how did your test go (laughs) yeah what's going on in this and and like really get to know them so yeah that's awesome yeah um so that is your bachelor your bachelor's degree is in English and ESL yep and high school Um, education but you do have a master's as well I do so your mass so so tell us about what is your master's degree why did you choose it? Yeah, so my master's um, is, I got right before COVID, um, <laughs> is um, a master's degree in trauma-informed education, um, curriculum and instruction. Getting so, it around COVID must have been a pretty good no, I was, timeline. <laughs> yeah, I was done and then COVID happened. Pretty I convenient. Like, well, I could have done it during COVID and maybe, no. Yeah, but now you have the degree to help you through COVID. Right. Yes, I learned about being trauma responsive and then went through a traumatic um, global experience. So it was good timing. 
Yeah, I um, so I did my master's in trauma informed teaching, and instead of linguistics, which is typically what ESL teachers do. Okay, they would go and do their masters in more ESL language based yeah. stuff. But when I first started teaching, my first two years, I taught in Iowa City, and um, a really significant portion of our population was um, refugees from the Congo. And so we had students who had been in our program for three to four years and had made no significant growth. For real? Yeah. And then we were getting kind of in trouble from the state of, like, what's wrong with your program? Yeah. That these kids aren't making growth. Well, a lot of the kids who were refugees, um, they're, they're called SIFE students, S-I-F-E, which stands for Severely Interrupted Formal Education. Okay. They had not been in school before. They had literally grown up in refugee camps. A lot of my students, their parents were refugees. The kids, um, they had moved into refugee camps at, you know, three, four, five years old and lived there for a decade. Well, these refugee camps don't have formal education. You know, they might have teachers once in a while be like... I've literally never even thought about that. Yeah, you know, a teacher will be like, oh, I know how to read. Let me show you how to read today. And then they don't do another lesson for who knows how long. Dang. So a lot of the kids that we had had not actually been in a school setting. Yeah. On top of that, they were refugees. And then some of the older students... So when I started, it would have been some of the... That was a lot of the freshmen. They had just not really been in school or the school system had been really kind of inconsistent. Yeah. Some of our older kids had actually been directly involved in the war. Um, so I had a student who had been a child soldier um, and had a lot of scars and, like, he'd physically fought. Yeah. I had a girl who um, lost her parents in a raid um, and was with her parents when their home was burned down and her parents didn't make it. Um, and her and her sister and her aunt ran away. And so... You know, these kids had been here for a couple years. And Making zero progress in their education. Right. Because, of course. Yeah. And that was where, like, my coworker had read a book about the Civil War in the Congo. And she was like, of course. Of course it's taken them a couple years yeah. to feel secure and safe enough yeah. to start learning. Yeah. Like, they needed to just know that they were actually okay. And that their world wasn't going to be upended again. Right, before they can start learning. And so that, when I was teaching there, that's when it first started. Mm. That as we um, looked at in deeper into our students' scores and who was and wasn't making progress, yeah. some of the kids who really were stuck, it had nothing to do with a lack of like services or a mm. lack of... It wasn't actually their English ability. Yeah. It was... They have so much other stuff going on yeah. that this simply cannot be a priority for them emotionally or mentally. Exactly. Like I know um, in psychology, I forget whose it is, but there's there's that like hierarchy of needs. Yeah, Maslow's hierarchy. Yes. Maslow's hierarchy of needs where it's like if you do not feel safe, if you do not have a shelter over your head, if you do not have clothes on your back and food in your belly, like you just can't like... That's it. That is ground zero. You need those things before yeah. you can. And for kids who have trauma, else. anybody who has trauma, great. I can tell you all I want that you are now safe. Yeah. I can point out to you that there's a roof over there, your head, and there's food in front of you. But your body 
And your um, nervous system has gotten so used to not having those things yeah. that you just assume it's all temporary. Yeah. You're like, great, I have it right now, but I have to be prepared for when I don't Yeah. in the next minute. Yeah. Like, you literally cannot fathom beings. Like, I can point it out to you in your body and your nervous system will still be like, yeah, yeah I think it's all fake. Like, so, and it takes a really long time to get over that yeah. with professional help. And our kids weren't getting professional help because I, they were, yeah. everyone's like, you're safe now. <laughs> get straight A's. And they were like, hold up, my whole yeah. world. And like you said, and then the whole, like, families, you know, families being torn apart and not living together or yeah. losing family. Like, the whole thing. Yeah. Because I know, um, like, all of your students that came from the Congo, Congo that is, that's a really extreme situation. Right. Um, that most, most schools don't have students like that. Um, no. So what does some of our student trauma look like, um, on a more average basis? Let's like, say, what is a student that a teacher listening could say, oh yeah, I do have one of those in my classroom. Okay. Let's say pre-pandemic. Ooh. Cause we also have to point out. Yeah. Good point. That <laughs> the pandemic was a collective trauma yes. and that all of our, most of our students were impacted by that. And that was yeah. a very different thing. Yeah. Um, also here in Kenosha, um, I live and work in Kenosha and was here Kenosha, when Wisconsin. the, the nope. Jacob Blake, um, yeah. stuff happened. Yeah. And so, um, there was a shooting and then riots because of, you know, this, the police brutally shooting this, um, kid who really didn't do anything. And so, um, we made national news. Yeah. We made national news in 2020, um, during COVID, and, yeah. But that was, I mean, our whole city was on lockdown for a couple of days. Um, yeah. There were shootings during the riots, buildings burned down. And so that also is a separate trauma. So if I take yeah. those two things apart, <laughs> like, take those out of the picture. Because uh, that's still, I mean, the riots and stuff, the elementary school I was teaching at was right down the street. Yeah. I think, like, one of the buildings that burnt down was kitty corner to your elementary school. And it still hasn't been rebuilt. I know. There's, like, grass there and everything. It's weird. So, it's, so even though that was two years ago, the kids still have to see it every day. Yeah. Like, you still are reminded of it every yeah. day. Um, that, like, at one point, our neighborhood and our school was not safe. Um, well, and even, I know your school had, some of the families in your school were the ones who had lost their homes and their apartments. Yeah. And so your your school was collecting the donations. Yeah. For, for bedding and pots and pans yeah. and, and the basic necessities. So if we ignore all of those traumas in a regular... So if your school hasn't had child soldiers from the Congo or a riot happening right across the street, um, here's some other traumas or hasn't that you been affected by the experienced. Um, it can be little stuff. It can be um, just food insecurity. Like, mm. we didn't get to eat today. Yeah. And we probably won't eat dinner. So lunch is really stressful for me. And if people joke and take my food, I'm going to fight them. Yeah. Um, it can be, like, at the high school, um, if there is physical abuse in the home or alcoholism, where, like, the kid feels like they're walking on eggshells all the time. Yeah. And then they get to school and they're super defensive and aggressive and raw it's a protective mechanism yeah if i show you i'm gonna fight you before you can hurt me then i don't have to walk on eggshells at school anymore because everyone's afraid of me yeah um 
it can be, you know, anxiety and fear, and it comes off as being shy. Yeah. Um, you know, because I don't feel safe at home, obviously I can't say, feel safe here either. Mm. Um, or home insecurity, you know, I live with different people during the week, or there's always a, people in my house, and so I don't have a safe space. One of the yeah. things that I don't understand it as a rule is that at the high school, kids are not supposed to have their hoods up. Mm. And I don't understand because, like, your physical body is sometimes the only place you have that's safe. Mm. And, of course, you want to put your hood up and protect it and go inside because yeah. that's the only safe space you have. If you have to share a room with all your siblings yeah. or some of our students, like, they don't have their own bedroom. They sleep in the living room, on the couch, on the whatever. Yeah. And so they get to school and they want to just curl up and kind of be there. Yeah. Um, what I've found is that... Um, pretty much every behavior issue can be related to trauma. Mm. It isn't always. Sometimes kids are just yeah uh, dicks because they're dicks. <laughs> but, um, and I don't want to say every kid has trauma, but almost every behavior issue, when, I, when you actually think about it, is a kid trying to defend or protect themselves mm. or some portion of themselves. Yeah. Um... And they're kids, so of course they're gonna they're gonna do it inappropriately. <laughs> yeah, they don't know how to do it in a way that's healthy yet. Right, um, and that realization for me, you know, then when we get into the the big trauma and the pandemic, and you're like, of course, but even the little stuff, like, you know, if I get too close to a kid and then they get mad all of a sudden, it's like, you know, they're just trying to protect yeah themselves. But I think sometimes if you if you don't have that perspective of compassion, it's so easy to say. That kid's just having a bad day. That kid that kid is just always grumpy. That kid right. is just aggressive. That kid is just right. fill in the blank, you know, and yeah. So anyways. <laughs> yeah. How do you how do you typically what do you think is the go to reaction of most teachers who maybe don't have this training or awareness? Well, it's becoming more popular. Okay. So in our school district, um, Pretty much every school has had to do some sort of trauma-informed training. Okay. Some of the comments I've heard is that um, it leads to babying kids. Mm-hmm. And that uh, being trauma-informed means not giving consequences, which sometimes is the case. And that being, you know, being trauma-informed means we're not giving kids consequences and they're never going to learn. You know, we're just letting them get away with stuff. Mm. You know, they can't just do whatever they want, which actually I agree with all that. Um, on the other hand, something that's really frustrating for me is that we still have not figured, I still haven't figured out how to get through to some teachers that, like, they're just kids going through shit without um, without having to share the kid's whole story, which isn't mm. my story to share. Yeah. And actually, the, the term, <laughs> you had, I wrote it down, and you were like, ew. Um, the term is called trauma porn. It's very graphic vocabulary. Yeah, but that's what it is, is that unless you know all the nitty-gritty details, yeah. then you won't extend grace to the student. Mm. Like, I have to tell you how dad is an alcoholic and beats him every night before you'll understand why he does X, Y, and Z in your classroom. Yeah. And that, one, is frustrating, and two, you know, okay, so I tell you about this one kid... And then you're like, and then that's where the like, 
that kid can get away with it, but this other kid still gets a mm. consequence. Mm. And some favoritism and weird, like, <laughs> inconsistency sure. in the classroom happens. Um, and I don't think being in trauma-informed means no consequences for students. And I don't think it means they get away with everything. I think it just means we handle it with a little more grace, a little more, like, yeah. like any time, especially at the high school, like, the kids, you know, oh, my gosh, first thing in the morning, and the teacher I was working with this year wasn't, like, he retired, and he was overdue to retire. <laughs> and he was a morning person, and the kids are not. <laughs> and so the kids would come in, and he'd be like, good morning, and they're all like, meh. Yeah. And he <laughs> would get so offended. Mm. And so, you know, he'd be like, I say good morning, and the kid's like, F you. And now I have to take the kid out. And I'm like, are you okay? What's But that's always my first question. Is like, and the kid's like, I'm just tired. Why is he right. talking to me this early? You know, but that's always my first question is like, what was that about? Yeah. And the kid's like, I just got here. I didn't even eat breakfast yet. Oh, yeah. let me get you a granola bar. Yeah. Get some water. Wake up a little bit. And then try again. Um, and you have to apologize for cussing your teacher out. Yeah. When you're ready. Like, probably not right now because you're still not awake. But... <laughs> So there can be, like, a sense of grace and yeah. um, and a consequence yeah. or, you know, of mending the situation. But it shouldn't be dependent on the details of their pain and trauma. Right. And it should come out of restoring relationships. Mm. I think a lot of times we try to give punitive consequences. Like, you cussed me out, so now I'm going to move you, you know, move your seat or do this or that. Just because I'm mad at you. Mm. Whereas it's like, yeah, if you want to move their seat, that's fine. But what does that have to do with them cussing you out? Right. I would do that, but I would do it in like, I mean, I'm over the top. I'd be like, oh, you don't like me? Well, now you're going to be my new best friend and your seat's <laughs> right next to me. And every time I have a question, I'm going to ask, you know. Yeah. Like, we're going to be best friends now. But really, <laughs> the, the goal should be building relationships with students. Yeah. The problem is a lot of teachers don't see that as their job, mm. to build relationships with students. Yeah. They see their job as to show up and get, and give the information and the lecture and the lesson, and if the kids receive it or not is not their job, really. Sure. They're going to give the test and move on. Yikes. And so then that's where, like, being trauma-informed doesn't make sense in that capacity mm. to some people. But I have um, looked at some research, too, that shows that trauma can impact your learning ability. And that's been really interesting to me to kind of, for teachers who are not into the touchy-feely uh, <laughs> relationship-building portion of teaching, yep. to say, okay, great, let's just ignore that for a second. Um, when you are experiencing trauma or have experienced trauma... Um, you tend to be hypervigilant about certain things mm-hmm. like safety and where the exits are and stuff yeah. like that. So things like bringing a pencil to class are not going to happen. Like That does not fit in the order of priorities that you need to check your boxes every day. Right. Yeah. Um, you're worried that people are going to know that your house is chaotic, so you're going to make sure your outfit is super put together. Yeah. Um, studying? Not going to happen. Yeah. And... There's um, a lot of evidence that if you are going through trauma or have been through trauma, your your short-term memory uh, is not good. Yeah. Your long-term memory sometimes suffers. Yeah. Um, your... Which there's so many, even like I've seen things for like adults with stress that it's like to have a lot of stress for prolonged amounts of time can cause small 
but long-term brain damage in adults even. Yeah. Um, so e- even, you know, to think how much stronger that's going to be for teenagers whose brains are still developing. Right. And so to say, hey, of course they didn't do their homework last night, and they probably did just forget. Yeah. And you are going to have to review yesterday's lesson because yeah. it hasn't made it to their long-term memory yet. Yeah. And and in order for them to eventually be productive adults in society, they are going to figure out how to remember what responsibilities they have. They are going to have to remember to make a list and get things done right. when they're told to get things done. But that's a process. And you can help them. Yes. Those are skill sets to teach. And so... expect them to have done already. Yes. So sometimes that helps to just say, okay, we don't want to do the touchy-feely relationship stuff. Um, just academically, they're going to forget stuff. Yeah. Um, they're going to, you know, need help and reminders and checklists and these things that as adults we know and learn. Mm-hmm. And, and it still is going to affect their learning. Like there's a very real chance that everything you teach in this lesson is not going to stick the first yeah. time. I mean, shoot, I don't remember... Most of the stuff I learned in school, and I was a decent student. <laughs> right. Right. And I, I mean, um, yeah, it's just, of course, of course. And so sometimes just saying, like, hey, great, you just want to focus on teaching. Here's how we can make just the teaching yeah. more helpful to our students. Yeah. You know, do a review at the beginning. Put a list of supplies up on the board, even if it doesn't change. Remember, mm. when you come in, notebook, pencil, calculator. Yeah. <laughs> like, and the kids will be, you know, and then... You don't have to repeat yourself. You just be like, check the list, check the list, you know. <laughs> yeah. And those kinds of things to help kids with the, the memory stuff that's affected yeah. um, can be so helpful. Yeah. And again. Communicate, over communicate, over communicate. <laughs> yeah. And again, you don't have to know what's going on with them or who's stressed yeah. and who's not and who's going through trauma. Like, just do it for everybody. Yeah. We're doing a review at the beginning of a lesson. You know, we're going to end every day with you know, write one thing down on your note sheet that you'll use on the test. We're going to, or whatever it looks like mm. for your um, subject. But knowing how trauma affects their brain, then how can we yeah, do that moving forward? <laughs> how do you, I mean, does this sound, as someone who's not necessarily in education, have you, I think, not that we want to get into church stuff, but I feel like it happens in the church a lot too. Oh, yeah. Where like, I need you to care about what I care about, so let's do all the gory details. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I think you even see it on social media. Oh, yeah. You know, you see the the sob story of, oh, well, this kid who didn't eat and, you know, yada, yada, yada. um, And I think even in the church, yeah, sometimes you see it um, when people talk about testimonies. They're like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have a a coworker once that she she had some trauma in her life and and, um, she'd been on staff for a while and then something came up and she had told somebody about her childhood <laughs> and this woman came up to her and she was like you know what I used to think that you were such a brat but now hearing your testimony I just love you so much and I'm like why I'm sorry you didn't like her until you knew that she had a tra- traumatic experience in her child like that's kind of messed up yeah <laughs> okay but that's what I'm talking about also I had never made the connection between drama porn and a testimony that's exactly right <laughs> because, that's what I'm talking about yeah because that's the thing is is yeah I I think we definitely see that in church in that you know you you celebrate you either celebrate the people who are really great Christians or you celebrate the subpar Christians who have come from really traumatic backgrounds yes um but 
And that's exactly the same in school. Yeah. We celebrate the really good students or the students who are doing okay, but we know that they have gone through some shit to get here. Yes. Instead of being like, they're doing okay and they're happy with that. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I totally, I totally see that. I totally get that. I think some of the feedback that you would get from people around the topic of trauma porn is, okay, but how much of that information do, you know, some people would say, well, but that information is helpful for me to figure out how to interact with them. Yes. So how much information, how much details around around their background um, would be helpful to have so that I know how to best interact with them? Yeah. I think, one, it depends on the age of the student. So um, with little kids, there's kind of two camps. Either the kid doesn't totally comprehend what's going on, so they won't be able to share, or they'll overshare. Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oversharers. Love them. So... You know, the kid who doesn't really know what's going on is hard because, you know, the, the parent will come and tell you something. And I I try to be really, like, if the parent comes and tells me something, I'm like, is it okay if I share this with the other teachers and our... Um, so when you're talking about the student that doesn't know what's going on? Like a divorce or separation. Okay. Or, you So, know, like, in the case of a divorce, the student doesn't know that mom and dad are splitting up yet? Right. They just feel the tension in the household. Right. Or they know that dad moves somewhere else, but they don't know it's permanent. Got it. Or that kind of, especially with little kids. Got it. That kind of thing. Yes. Right? You know, or even the kid knows that, yeah, dad is gone, but mom comes and says, no, dad's in jail. And you're like, oh, that's different than what I heard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just a little bit. So I, you know, as much as I can yeah. with parents and with, and with older kids who can tell their own story, hey, there's a couple people that I would really like to share this with just so that they can help you. Yeah. And I'll name them. You know, I need to talk, I would like to tell the school counselor and, you know, these teachers that I talk to them every day, you know. Yeah. Is it okay if I share this with yes. X, Y, and Z? Um, you know, if they say no, then I'm like, okay, not a problem. Yeah. Can I at least tell them that you have some stuff going on? Yeah. Just so they know, yeah. you know. And most of the time parents are fine with that. With kids who are overshares, as, <laughs> as staff, we tend to share with each other only to um, make sure we all have the same story. <laughs> ah. So, like, because I feel like you do get that sometimes too with kids with trauma. Is so many times the adults around them go, "Oh, well, they're just dramatic. Oh, well, right. they just want attention." Right. Um, and trying to figure out that line between how how much of what the student is presenting to us is true. I mean, we did have I mean an extreme situation this year. One of our high schoolers came, told us about something super dramatic, traumatic. Um, told us we were allowed to share it with this. Like, we were like, we have to report this. Actually, yeah. we couldn't even ask permission. We were like, we have mm-hmm. to report this. Um, we had a couple. Yeah, we have stuff like that in the church too. We had to call and a couple some kids, of hospitals. Some kids get really mad. They're like, why did you share that? We're like, we legally have to. It is for your safety. So, no, but the kid was okay with it too. Okay. Like, we didn't ask permission, but he was like, yeah, you can tell whoever. I understand. Mm. We had to call a hos- the hospital to um, verify his story, and the whole thing was made up. And so it's like, well, yeah, that's why we did that. Yeah. One, because we need to help you. But two, this is like the fourth or fifth incident that you've told us about something really traumatic. And it turns out none of it was true. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's one kid in my six years of teaching that's been <laughs> like that. Um, but yeah, so I try as much as possible to ask permission okay. first. Okay. Can I tell them the details? And yeah. if they're like, no, then can I at least tell them that something's going on? Yeah. If it's a safety, you know, we're mandated reporters, and I'll be like, you know, I'm so glad you told me this. 
I do have to share with somebody. Yeah. But I'll give them, you know, as little information as possible. Yeah. I mean, I had a kid who had something going on at home and some of the details were safety concern and some were not. And mm-hmm. I told him that. Yeah. Like the stuff that you're most embarrassed and worried about is, you know, interpersonal stuff that's not a safety issue. Yeah. I don't have to share that with anybody. Yeah. I'm glad you told me. But when I call, because I have to call somebody, it's going to be about, you know, abuse and food insecurity. Um, Another thing that's helpful is in education, we have vocabulary to describe stuff. Mm. So I don't have to give you the gory details, but I can say there's some abuse, food insecurity, and, um, you know, lack of space in the house. Yeah. And you can... Do with that information. Yeah, I can something. put some pieces together. Yeah, without needing to know exactly yeah. why those things are happening or yeah. what the abuse looks like or what the like. You can put some. You have some knowledge without exposing yeah. all the details. Yeah, I think that's important for teachers to know and to learn that vocabulary of like, hey, what's going on with the kid? Lack of sleep. There's some stuff going on at home. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'd be crabby when I don't have sleep, too. <laughs> Same. Instead of being like, well, why aren't they sleeping? Yeah. What's going on? Like, you don't need to know that. Yeah. You should be able, you know, with the bare amount of information. Yeah. Like I said, food insecurity. Oh. I'm like, they're just hungry. Why? Probably, you know, drug-related or whatever-related, but you don't need to know all yeah. that. You just need to know. Kids hungry. Yeah. So then for teachers who are you know, trying to figure out how to help a student who is facing some of these things, you know, sleep, food insecurity, all of these things. What are some of the common practices that Mm. teachers can or should or maybe should consider having in place? I think, first of all, it depends on the comfort level of the teacher. Okay. Um, So our classroom, I think, is an extreme example. (laughs) Because you have a whole degree in it. So, of course, you're going (laughs) to, you know... And very little boundaries with our students. I mean, appropriate boundaries, but we have, we <laughs> literally have a futon and a cabinet full of ramen noodles. Yeah. So, you know, when we know that kids have stuff going, I mean, we have kids who come in and they're like, I have a pass. I'm like, great. What are you supposed to be working on? And they're like, I don't know. I didn't sleep last night. I'm like, okay, I'm not turning the lights out, but you can take an app. Yeah. And then we'll talk about your schoolwork. Um, I mean, we, so we literally have kids come in and nap all the time. Mm-hmm. We have ramen noodles and snacks. So they can come in and eat. Um, we, I mean, we overprovide for our students. Sure. You know, hey, there's just some stuff going on at home. Great. Do you want to talk here? Do you want to go for a walk? All that stuff. Um, teachers who are not as comfortable overproviding, I mean, I'll admit, overproviding for their kids. Yeah, well, especially because a lot of that comes out of personal budget. Oh, right. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we got donations for the furniture, but I buy ramen noodles out of my own pocket. Yeah. Um. Because I want to, and it makes my life easier when my kids are fed. Yeah. Um, for teachers who don't want to, um, typically there's resources at the school. So if a kid is, like, really just, I mean, one, I don't understand not letting kids sleep in class. Mm. Um, like, if they want to just put their head down and take a nap, I don't, yeah. I, I do not see a problem with that. Well, and I think part of it is the concern is, well, they're going to miss the information, which they're going to I don't want to double teach it. And they're going to miss it if they're overtired anyway. Mm. They're not going to remember it. Sure. <laughs> At least if you can. I mean, I've had students where I'm like, they're like, I just can't right now. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, I zoned out and missed everything. When are you going <laughs> to. Right. And My I'm eyes like, are open, but the rest of you. When are you going to make it up? Yeah. 
And then, you you know, once we make a plan for making it up, then you can take a nap. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, like, check with your school. So school nurse, typically if a kid isn't feeling well or just needs mm. to chill for a second, the school nurse will be okay with it. Um, guidance counselor or, yeah. um, like, in our building, the deans and stuff. Because typically if a kid at the high school, if a kid falls asleep in class, they usually get sent to the dean's office. Mm. And then the dean is like, well, why'd you get sent here? Well, I was sleeping. Okay, just stay till the end of the period. Yeah. The kid will just sleep in the dean's office. Um, social worker, if there's, like, a food insecurity thing. Um, yeah. I think all of our guidance counselors have food in their classrooms as well. Yeah. And so there's, you know, find out who in your building can provide for that. Yeah. So as, as, I mean, I'm assuming the goal is to try to have more teachers who are trauma-informed. Yeah. This call for teachers to become trauma-informed doesn't necessarily mean that they are filling those roles. Right. You as a teacher are not replacing. No. Like I said, I am because I'm overcommitted <laughs> to my kids. But no, in general, trauma form does not, you have to, you know, let kids sleep and feed them. It's yeah. understand that they need some grace. That okay. they might not be able to, you know, show yeah. up every day 100%. Yeah. And help the kids get to the place where, you know, they can meet their goals or yeah. your goals or whatever. Yeah. So you would say that a trauma-informed teacher is somebody who can face these things with grace, like you just said, mm-hmm. um, and maybe also, would you say, be able to detect some possible traumas? Like, how, how much awareness do they need yeah. to be trained in? Yeah, I think awareness is a good thing, too. Building enough of a relationship with your students that you can be like, oh, this is out of character for them. Yeah. And, you know, when this out-of-character thing becomes a habit, then you have a conversation with them. Yeah. Or you just refer them to, the, you know, yeah. school psych and be like, hey, this kid's been a little off. Can you check in with them? Yeah. Um, but having an awareness that, like, you know, behavior change and mood change, as annoying as it can be. I mean, I have kids I have great relationships with, and then all of a sudden one day the kid literally cussed me out. Mm. And, and it's so easy to chalk all that up to hormones. Oh, my gosh, Right. And he walked out of the building, and I, you know, someone was like, well... That's a safety issue. I have a really good relationship with him. I'll try to talk to him. I was like, I feed him every day. <laughs> Trust me, I have a good relationship with him. <laughs> um, and so for me, like, and I do, I get really overwhelmed. When I get triggered and overwhelmed by kids, I'm like, they're just, you know, I do all this stuff, and they don't mm. care, and then I get mad, and yeah. I'm... Like, that doesn't help. And so to be able to step back and just be like... I wonder what's going on. Yeah. And I don't need to know. And I'll tell kids, like, as you know, is something going on? Yeah. Like, how are you? You don't need to tell me what. No. <laughs> I just need to know if this is all in my head or not. <laughs> yeah. Like, are we okay? You know, are you yeah. safe at home? Yeah. Yeah. And the kids, like, at the high school level, they know what that question is. Yeah. Like, do I need to call the police? Yeah. I know I'm safe. And I'm like, do you like being at home? And they're like, No. Like, oh, that sucks. And to just understand some sense of what they're feeling. Yeah. And remembering, and I hate it, it's so hard to do for me, remembering that it's not all about you. Mm. Because a lot of times I think teachers take the kid's behavior personally. Yeah. But when a kid says to me, fuck you, he's not telling me, fuck you. He's saying this whole environment (laughs) and what's happening right now. I am over it. Is too much. Yes. And I'm going to take it out on you because you're an adult yeah. and you're the person in front of me. Yeah. But they're not actually talking to me. 
Yeah. But it's hard not to take it personally when they're like, you know, you're ugly and you smell and you're like, I feel like that's just well, coming. you too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like it's coming from a place of pain and hurt and I'm here for you. I'm like, no, I'm not here for you. Get out. <laughs> but, but that really is, you know, to be aware of what's going on and yeah. just be able to try to be reflective and not mm. take things personally. Mm. What's really hard about being trauma-informed is that it requires that you as a teacher are grounded. Because mm. I am not a trauma-informed teacher when I'm dysregulated. Mm. When I am stressed and overwhelmed... When you are feeling emotions, it's hard to respond properly to other people's emotions. Right, and of course, and that makes sense, but like, yeah, and I tell my kids, like, I, the one thing that gets me the most dysregulated is um, conversations with other adults. Hmm. <laughs> Kids I can have all the grace for. <laughs> I feel like adults should cannot be better. Relate. I cannot relate. Um, yeah, I can have all the grace for kids all day. Yeah. And then as soon as another adult does something that I feel like they should know better, uh, it, I'm over it. But then I'll tell the kids, like, I had a thing happen. And so I'm I'm out today. Yeah. And they're like, you're out of what? And I was like, all the things. I'm out of patience. But you think kids get that. You know, you just say, hey, listen, I'm having a rough day, so I am so sorry. If I might be a little short, please don't take it personally. Please have a little extra grace with me. Because I think that's also healthy for our students then. Yeah. To see, oh, they're human too. Yeah. And next time that they feel overwhelmed, they now have an example of how to have that conversation. Yeah. They can tell somebody else, listen, I am overwhelmed today. Yeah, and the kids won't <laughs> say that, but they'll be, they'll be like, um, this is not it today. Today is <laughs> not, not it. It's not the vibe. And I'm like, okay. And even at the elementary level, I would tell the kids that. Because yeah. I had, I had my last year there, I had the sweetest group of, like, three, two little boys I had at the very end of the day. And I felt so bad, because by the end of the day, surely some shit has hit the fan, and I'm, I'm spent. But I still have to do this lesson with them. Yeah. And so I told them, and we talked a lot at the elementary about regulation, and mm. they knew what that meant, yeah. and how do we regulate ourselves. And I told them, I said, I love part of my job is because I was going and getting kids from their class, because elementary yeah. kids can't walk themselves. Yep. I walked all the time. I said, and sometimes when I'm in a really bad mood, I take the long way to your class so I can walk a little bit more, because walking helps me calm down. Yeah. You know, and scientifically, that makes sense. If your heart rate is high yeah. from stress, if you do activity to raise your heart rate, yeah, then when you stop doing the activity, the stress heart rate will also come yeah. down. But I don't have to tell them all that. I just say, you know, I feel better if I'm, if I am, and we, at the elementary, we talked about colored zones. <laughs> so you should be in the green. Yeah. You can get into yellow and red is like, you have completely lost your mind. And yeah. so I'm like, I, if I'm in the yellow or really close to red, I go for a walk. And people just think I'm trying to be really busy, but I just need to walk. These little boys, every time I picked them up, they were like, do we need to go for a walk? Mm-hmm. Are we going to take the short way or the long way around? That's so sweet. Yeah, and they would check in on me with me <laughs> yeah. before we even got... Because every time when they came into my room, I would be like, you know, what color are you? We always did these, like, emotion check-ins. But they would do it at their classroom door. Yeah. Are you in the yellow today? I'm like, a little bit. And they're like, okay, let's take the long way around. Aww. And then, you know, we would stop at my door and they would be like, are you in the green or do we need to do another lap? <laughs> let's do another lap. And so. That's so sweet. Yeah. And so the kids really um, then helped me regulate. Yeah. 
and we're aware of, like, we have a better class yeah. when you're chill, so let's do what we need to do. My high schoolers, we start class with 10 minutes of calm time. Yeah. And there's a timer with chill music. Yeah. And I take attendance, and if I have to talk to a kid or check in with them, I will. But otherwise, I sit at my desk and... Chill. Like, I need a minute before I'm <laughs> yeah. ready to teach you. You need a minute before you're ready to learn. Yeah. There's a journal entry for you to do. And I told them they weren't allowed to be on their phones mm-hmm. because the drama on, like, them Snapchatting and yep. then the drama, and that's what got them freaked out a lot of times. Yeah. And so I'm like, you can't be on your phone right now either. Yeah. And they're like, well, my friend, I'm like, tell your friend that your teacher's an asshole. <laughs> I don't care, but you can't yep. be on your phone. Yep. I'll be the bad guy. But the kids appreciate, like, hey, sorry, my teacher just yelled at me. Yeah. And they would literally just sit. Yeah. Like, okay. And at the high school, it's a little, like, I don't, the layout's weird. I don't walk as much. But, I mean, there's been times that kids have come in and seen me, like, in one of the comfy chairs with my hood up. Yep. <laughs> on my phone listening to a podcast. And they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm not open for questions right now. Like, <laughs> I gave you your time, not give me mine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the one kid was like, do you want me to make you a sign that says do not disturb? And I was like, maybe. <laughs> yes. And even just little stuff like, you know, I need a minute. And so I have a hot water kettle, like an electric mm-hmm. tea kettle. And so I'd be like, yeah, I'll be right back, you know, to the, like if I'm in another class. I'm like, hey, I just need to refill my water bottle and go take a minute to refill my water bottle. Yeah. Or at my desk, be like, I'm going to help you as soon as my tea is done. (laughs) And my tea kettle is so loud, so I literally can't hear you anyway. (laughs) And just to, like, take those moments for myself to regulate. And, yeah, I set an example for kids of, like, like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I just needed a minute. And that's, like, the tea kettle is a perfect amount of time. Yeah. And then the kids see how to do that and how to move forward from there. Yeah. So for other classrooms... For other teachers, what are some next steps to make sure that they are trauma-informed and that they are, their classroom is a place that is, is maybe safe yeah. for some kids with trauma? I think first, if you don't know what the ACEs are, look I at that. I don't know what the ACEs are. Um, so <laughs> it stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. Okay. Um, the original list had 10, okay. and then they've done an extended one now. So, the original ACEs study is kind of where all this came from. It said, if you have this number of ACEs, you're this percent more likely, they did a really big study, you know, this percent more likely to have these things. What they found is that trauma is related to health concerns. Okay. So, the more ACEs you had, the more um, at risk you were for certain health things. Hmm. What was interesting to me when I learned it is... um, that a certain number is hereditary. Really? So you tend to, if you have a really high ACE score, your kids hopefully will have a slightly lower, but there's a certain number of things that are hereditary, like alcoholism or abuse in the household or poverty. Okay. Right? It can be really hard to get out of those cycles, so those tend to be hereditary. Um, And when I first learned about it, and we have some family with trauma and um, PTSD, and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, if you have more than five, it's considered extreme, and like... Well, shoot, now I want to look at the list and count how many we have. I know, I know, and our family had... Because I was expecting the number to be a lot higher than that. Right, no. 
Yeah. So if Dang. you don't know what the study is, you should look it up because it's super interesting. What? Aces. A-C-E-S. Yep. Aces. Um, and so just knowing what those things are yeah. that can impact people and what those effects are as far as like, you know, um, what was some like high blood pressure, diabetes and all those things. Yeah. There's a correlation between number of traumatic experiences and diabetes. Um, that is weird. Yep. I would not have guessed that. Yep. So that study is super interesting. I think it's a really um, good place to start for, like, basic information. Okay. I think after that, look at trauma responses. So um, there's actually four. Fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. I've never heard of fawn before. Mm. You will, because I think that's where we're at. Oh, crap. Um, (laughs) So when you're faced with traumatic situations, what do you... Like, everybody knows fight and flight. Right. Freeze is, like, something is happening and I just literally cannot function. So you just shut down. Shut down. That's me. I do that often. Okay. We see that. I do, too. And we see that a lot with kids. Yeah. Like, they're engaging in something or they're yelling and then all of a sudden they're just done. Yeah. They're quiet. They're not answering. They're not responding. Yeah. And a lot of times I see that with kids, like, without an elevation. Like, I'll ask them to do a worksheet and then they just don't. Yeah. And I'm like, what happened? There was no trigger that I saw. There was yeah. no nothing. And the kid mm. just, like, refuses to pick up a pencil. Mm. And that's frustrating as a teacher. I'm like, can you at least try so I can help you? Yeah. And the kid's like, no. Mm. But that is a, it is a trauma response. Yeah. Like, I, whether it's they feel overwhelmed or whatever the cause is. <laughs> and it goes back to the trauma porn of, do you need to know right. why they're reacting? Or do you just need to know that they're reacting to something? Right. <laughs> and then offer them solutions. Yeah. So, um, so the freeze and then fawn is I react to trauma by trying to people please. Oh, crap. I know. <laughs> I told you. My husband and I were just having this conversation the other day. Like Because when he's having a bad day, I will clean the house. Because I'm like, he's already upset. So if the whole house is clean, then he can't have another thing to be upset about. And he literally doesn't care. Like, yes. the dude could live yes. in a dumpster and not okay. even notice. So that's fun, right? <laughs> and I also, I mean, my husband and I have talked about, like, I tend to be codependent because of that. Okay. If you're upset with me, then I'll do more for you. Yeah. And then you're happy with me. <laughs> but I'm worried that you're going to one day not be happy with me, so I'm going to keep doing more for you. Yeah. I mean, that, like, and you see that in kids. We call them teacher's pets, right? Mm. Like, I did the homework plus some, and they come and check all the time. Like, yeah. did I do a good job? Did I do a good job? Yeah. And that, like, we see that, can see that a lot. Crap. And you're like, oh, they're such a great student. And it's like, no, the kid has no life because they're overreacting yeah. and over. Because they're trying extra hard to gain security and love. Exactly. Not by fighting you or freezing, but yeah, by like. Making themselves irreplaceable. Yeah. Sorry to break that to you. So those are the four trauma responses. And another thing to the list of when I eventually get a therapist. <laughs> right. So as a teacher, I think. Knowing what what things can cause trauma, the ACEs, yeah. knowing what the four trauma responses are, right? And then the solution then, the really, like, moving forward is understanding if we see that in our kids, when you're in the middle of a trauma response, um, you can't be talked out of it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I can't be like, hey, it looks like you're trying to fight me right now, but if you could just not. It doesn't, <laughs> the kid's like, no. Yeah. You have to try to interrupt the trauma response. It's like the just calm down. Excuse me? Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. 
you have to interrupt the trauma response. Um, there's a book called um, Burnout that actually has a oh, lot of good such ideas. Such a good book. When she talks about completing the stress cycle. Yes. That's very. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. That right? is good. That is a good book for every single human being. Right. Not just for teachers or people who work with other people. But those strategies... Everybody, literally everybody needs to Right? We have to interrupt the trauma response. Yes. And the strategies that she gives actually are great. Physical activity. So for my kids, when I see them start to spiral into any of those four things, yeah. I'll be like, why don't you go get a drink of water? Yeah. So that they are just getting up and moving their body and leaving the current situation. Mm. Or if they refuse, I'm like, sometimes, oh my gosh, I wrote a, one of the counselors a note and I said, this student just needed a walk. Please don't tell her what this note says. And I put it in a fancy envelope and yeah. I was like, I really need this to get to the counselor right away. It's super important. Yeah. Because she just needed an yeah. excuse to leave. Yeah. And, you know, the counselor, I emailed the counselor later, was like, thank you so much. And he's like, that was hilarious. Because he, like, opened it and was like, oh, okay, thank you so much for getting this to me. Um, you know, giving them an out. Yeah. Physical activity. Laughter can be a great one, mm-hmm. but that's really tricky with kids because if they are not ready, it depends on what they're laughing about. Mm. Right? Sometimes I can make jokes about, like, to my kids and they think it's funny and sometimes they're like, this is not a laughing moment. And yeah. it actually makes them more upset. Yeah. Um... But if I just leave them be and keep doing, my, like, I am silly and just keep doing my thing, <laughs> yeah. right? Or I'll be like, hey, I'm having a rough day, but this made me laugh really hard. Let me show you guys this YouTube video. And just not even make it about the kid. Yeah. That can help. Yeah. Um, you're, not, you're not pointing them out. Right. And then just the, like, creative thing. So in my classroom, we have coloring pages. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'll be like, hey, I, you know... We're supposed to be doing this re- book right now. Well, can you guys draw me a picture of the main character? Mm. And, you know, make it sound like that was totally in my lesson plan and an academic thing. Sure. But just something different to disrupt that stress cycle. Mm. And then maybe later I can be like, you were really off at the beginning of class. Can we talk about it? But you can't talk about it in the middle yeah. of it. And you have to do something to interrupt it. Yeah. Right? If the kid is stressing out about, you know, the homework you just gave them, trying to push them through it is not going to help. Yeah. Pull them out of it, let them go for a walk, do something different, and then if it's something that has to happen, that's triggering them, then you can have a conversation of how can we get through it. Yeah. Because really the fact of the matter is there are so many things in life that are not time sensitive. Like, if they are overwhelmed doing a homework assignment, it does not need to be done in the next five minutes. Right. They can take five minutes to walk to the water fountain. Right. They can take 30 seconds to go move to a more comfortable chair. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And ultimately, every time that you help a kid work through, you know, and they're stuck in this trauma response and you help them work through it, they're going to feel safer in your classroom. Yeah. And so hopefully those happen less and you get more learning out of them eventually. Whereas if every time they, you know, lean into one of those trauma responses and you punish them, it's just going to happen more. Yeah. You're going to get less learning from them. And they become more stressed in your classroom and they become more defensive when you try to talk to them in the future. Right. Dang. So, ACEs, look at trauma responses, and then look at... And for teachers, it's really finding a way that fits your classroom and your teaching style to interrupt it. If showing funny YouTube videos is not your style and doesn't fit, the kids are going to know something's up. It's going to feel weird. Yeah. But like I said, write a note to another teacher. 
or hey, I need you to do this, or yeah. you know, wow, my desk is a mess. Can you just like put all the papers in a pile? <laughs> Whatever it is, yeah. like something, you know, can you staple some stuff for me? It really needs to get done. Something yeah. that fits in your classroom that, you know, you can, and then some of the kids might, like, I have a couple of kids who, are, when they are starting to freak out and they knew which kind of tasks mm. I've used, would yeah. come and request it. Like, yeah. you have anything that needs stapled today? <laughs> N- no? And like, are you sure? Like, you can, like, they yeah. want. Well, so how do you tell the difference between a kid that needs a break from a, a trauma cycle or a stress cycle and a kid who's just procrastinating. Um, I don't know if it matters to me. Mm. Like you said, there's not very much that's time sensitive. Okay. So setting if it's if I think it's just procrastinating. Yeah. Um. And or what? Well, either way, I'll set a timer. Like yeah. I need you to staple these papers. There's a clear endpoint. Yeah. And then I can check in with you. Yeah. And if you're just procrastinating, like, do you have anything else I can do? No. Sure. And I have one kid, like, literally procrastinated all the time. Yeah. Like, he'd come in, and I'm like, you need to get off your phone. You need to... And so, finally, he'd be like, five more minutes. I'm like, okay, in five minutes, yeah. you've got to start work. Yeah. And then, in, in five minutes, he'd be like, just five more minutes. And I'm like, in five minutes, I'm going to come get your phone from you. Yeah. But making it really clear, like, I... There are boundaries. <laughs> yeah. And I understand that you might need... I mean, some procrastination, like, I need a mental break between things. Yeah. And high school schedule is crazy. Like, let's go from taking a test in this class immediately into taking notes in this class. Immediately, like, you're switching subjects and doing so much work all day. Sometimes I think back to high school and I'm like, how in the world did I do it all? Right. How did I do that? (laughs) So I understand needing a mental break. And so I, but I'll tell my kids, like, you have five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And they know, like, I'm horrible with time, so it'll probably be, like, eight minutes, but that's fine. Yeah. Um... Which, okay, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Sorry, I just got a little sniffly. Um, <laughs> so, on staff at our church, we have what we call a code of conduct, right? So, it's, mm-hmm. here's how we're going to interact with each other. And one of the things that I found really useful, and I'm, I'm curious to see if you think that this would fit into how we help pe- other people through trauma response, is one of the things that every single staff member agrees to is we will explain the why. And so when I'm having a conversation with a student who, you know, I'm like, hey, dude, you've been in the classroom for an hour now. You really need to get your homework done. You Mm. need to focus. You know, rather than just saying, dude, get off your phone. Why are you on your phone? It's, hey, man, I know you do not want to be up till 1 a.m. writing this paper. You have valuable time right now. I'd really like you to make the most of it. Make wise decisions right now so that later tonight you can rest, you can relax, you can... Yeah do something that you actually would enjoy. I think explaining the why is a great policy if you know it. Uh, see, but that's the thing is sometimes I think, I think sometimes we as human beings have policies and we're so attached to them that we don't have a why. You just do it for the sake of doing it. In which case I'm like, then maybe that policy doesn't need to be a policy anymore. Oh, I agree. That so system for me is personally, no longer working for I, us. Love it. And I there's some things where the kids are like, why? And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I'll be like, because it's required by the school. I don't know. I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah. Um, And so for me, I'm very comfortable telling the kids, like, I don't know. Yeah. Or I don't have a good reason. It just has to get done. Yeah. Um, You know, or like you said, like, 
because one of our goals for this unit is blank and this direct like I'll explain it to and it's really fun with teenagers because I'm like they'll be like why do I have to do this and I'll be like yeah let's talk about learning targets so here's our learning target and this is and like their eyes glaze over and I'm like you ask babe <laughs> but for some teachers they <laughs> because I said so yeah no thank you <laughs> and you're like I mean this um Edith and I talked about grading this is the tension between teachers mm. is like why are you giving a test that looks like that mm. and they're like because I've given this test for 10 years mm. and they don't want to do the reflection of it yeah so then explaining it to the students is not going to be helpful yeah I think for teachers who want to be reflective and and collaborative and move towards you know bigger brighter better things yeah absolutely that's a great policy yeah I think you have the teacher has to be willing, and then I think kids don't necessarily need to or have the reasons. Mm. I can't expect my students to explain why, mm. because they might not know, or they might not be ready to talk about it. Yeah, or they'll tell me, you know, well, I'm mad because my friend did this, mm. but it's actually something else, and they don't sure have the depths to talk about it. Sure, but I think as a personal policy, I love it. I think that's a great idea. Awesome. So those are the next steps. Check out the aces. Read the book Burnout and buy it for every single person you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, and know what the trauma responses. Become familiar with the trauma responses. Yeah. Awesome. So how do you how do you so paint the picture in a perfect world when everybody's classroom is trauma informed? What kind of world does this create for our students? I think it creates a lot more spacious, grace filled p- classrooms. Mm. Um, where we actually are getting a lot of learning done because our students' needs are being met and they feel safe and comfortable to come and learn. And I think you're you're developing the human being, not just the great book. Yes. Yeah. Being trauma-informed is a lot about teaching to our students' humanity. Yeah. All right. Thanks for hosting today. Thanks for asking me. Yeah. Do you do you know where the podcast can be found? <sighs> Everywhere the podcasts are available. Not so no, not true. Most I think like, places. Okay, most places like Spotify. Yep. And the Apple yep. podcast place. Google. G- Google. Google has their own podcast platform. Yep. Okay. Good. And we're good on. Good to it. know. Um, is like Apple Music. Is that is Apple Music and Apple Podcasts like the same? Yeah. Sort of. Okay. So I already said that. Yep. I don't know. Is it like on YouTube? No. Okay, no, right. but we're on Instagram. But you are on Instagram. You have an, a phenomenal page. Um, cool. right, well, thanks. Yeah. I appreciate you coming and interviewing me. Until next time, this has been Reimagine Teaching.